Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 207. And if I sound slightly different, it's because I am recording in a different place. Ladies and gentlemen, I have changed location. I have been released from my tiny apartment, and I'm now out in the country with a different microphone in a different setup. So it may sound different. Um, this is my travel mic that I'm recording on, with, into, uh, and I am recording in a closet, which is different than where I usually, usually I'm recording under the loft bed, which is actually sonically fairly like, I don't know, there's like a lot of material, there's, it's like the sound, it's a pretty, de- like, it's good for recording is what I'm trying to say. It's not great for recording like when the, they're doing the garbage out in the back or whatever, but other other than that, like the sound does uh, got some, some good um, soundproofing. It's not actually soundproofing, it's just stuff that like deadens the sound a little bit. Uh, and this house is um, beautiful, but uh, echoey. <laughs> There's like, it's really funny because when I play guitar, it sounds so good in here because like it just bounces around and it's like, man, like it's just like a live space and it feels good, but that stuff does not sound good in recordings. It's so wild, the like difference between live and uh, recorded sound uh, in terms of like what works. Anyway, I'm in a closet um, to try and sort of minimize the echo, but it is, I'm sure, sounding a little bit different than usual. Uh, so welcome, and uh, thank you for listening. Um, I am glad to uh, have made a, a little bit of a, an escape. I've, I've left the city just as it's starting to improve, of course, um, but I, I'm very happy to like be able to walk around and like not run into people everywhere. (laughs) Anyway, uh, today's blog is um, from a while ago now, it feels like. I feel like I wrote it right at the beginning of the pandemic, and now it's like three months later. But I I don't think I published it three months ago, so I don't know what's, you know. It's still relevant, and no one read it at all, so... uh, I'm happy to deliver it to you now. Uh, So here it is. It is called How to Help Artists the Most. As a self-described struggling artist, when the pandemic struck us and people suddenly started worrying about struggling artists, many folks thought of me. I appreciated it very much. It was quite remarkable to suddenly receive support I didn't explicitly ask for. But as a struggling artist, TM, just kidding, it's not trademarked, I have felt some ambivalence about the resources for us that I'm seeing emerge. The bulk of them are for emergency funds, and they are incredibly necessary for so many people. I bow down to those who are raising those funds. But one thing I'm thinking about a lot is how few artists I know who would actually apply for these sorts of resources. Everyone I've talked with about them is leaving them for someone who is in real need. See, what constitutes an emergency for many artists is fairly extreme. 
Is it just not having the income to pay rent? Because we've all been there before. Is that really an emergency? It is, sure. But it's a familiar one. There were also a lot of institutions out there talking the talk of raising money for artists, but essentially paying themselves and or making artists prove their worthiness for the money raised. The best resources for artists seem to be the ones generated by other artists who are streamlining their processes dramatically. There are also some supports emerging from the unions and guilds. What's sticky about all this is that the people who can make the best cases for their emergency funding are people who lost something. The actors who suddenly lost their Broadway gig, the playwright who had their show canceled, those are clear and obvious things to redress. But as an artist who did not have a job to be fired from or a production to lose, the loss for me is just sort of normal. Sure, I can't do some of my day jobs, but for the most part, the emergency happened several years ago. I've already lost many things. My time for emergency funding has passed. I think there are many of us in this state, artists who were already living on the edge, who already had our fall. It's like we've been compelled to walk a tightrope for all these years, and suddenly, now that there's an earthquake, everyone's like, oh, here's a little net. Not a particularly robust net, just a net that might allow you to fall without getting smashed to pieces in one go. And you have to search for the net store and fill out a bunch of paperwork and very possibly have to sit on the phone with a broken unemployment system for hours at a time. And the funding you might have been eligible for as a freelance self-employed person has already run out, thanks to corporations like Shake Shack and Harvard, who bogarted the money. And of course, of course, we're grateful for the net. But also, it would have been nice to not have had to walk a tightrope in the first place. And in my case, I already fell. So asking for a net now feels silly. I've been knitting one that works down on the ground for years. I'm okay. Not amazing. But I've had some surprising nets appear in the last couple of years. So I am okay. For a brief moment, it looked possible for this country or state to do the things that would have helped people provide a real net for everyone, not just artists. They could have canceled rent. They could have provided a UBI. But those ideas seem to have vanished as quickly as they bubbled up. The real relief has not come. So now it's emergency grants left and right. Artists are applying for $500 here and $500 there, which will be helpful in the short term, but will only break the inevitable fall. I saw one resource that would have provided a substantial amount of money to an artist. It stipulated that it was for an artist in dire financial need. And it made me think about how sticky dire financial need is. How dire is dire? Some things are obvious. There are those without health insurance or who can't afford groceries. We know that's dire. But I know artists who are in a cold panic about what they will do after they've paid this month's rent out of their savings. And of course, they have a savings. Had. They won't for long. 
But meanwhile, someone who's unable to make payments on their summer cottage may see their situation as dire. Dire is relative, and a lot of artists live so close to dire already, we don't necessarily know it when we see it. I've been thinking a lot about all the emergency funds that have sprung up and how reluctant many artists are to take advantage of them. I remember reading an article about artist housing, and some jerkwad commented on it, railing about how artists were always looking for a handout. It made me mad then, and it makes me madder now, because not only are artists generally not looking for handouts, many can barely be convinced to take them when they are offered with the explicit purpose of helping them. In my experience, artists just want to be paid for their work. Like anyone. We literally just want someone to pay us for the thing we do. We want to be paid for our writing, our performing, our music, our art. We would like for folks to buy our book or our album or, when we're not in a pandemic, tickets for our shows. But the problem is, while most people like and care about art, they're not inclined to pay for it. So even now, in this moment, where art that can be enjoyed at home is the thing that is making most people's quarantines bearable, most of it is free. So artists, not inclined to take a handout, are languishing, unpaid, for work that is the lifeblood of the culture. The amount of creativity bubbling up out of our sudden removal from capitalist everyday life is really quite staggering and beautiful. I mean, the guy who made a restaurant for squirrels? Come on. No one would ever have given him a grant to make such a thing. But many an artist is too panicked about survival to create a squirrel restaurant, and emergency funding to a handful of them who already had access to some resources isn't going to solve it. I keep thinking about this funding scheme invented by some artists who have already achieved notable success. They are creating content that people will apparently pay to watch. Will they, though? And then those artists select other artists to receive the money. It is a nice idea. Except it definitely feels like a way for the cool art kids to pass on some resources to the just-about-to-be-cool kids. Like the kids who have a couple of fancy credits, but not a Broadway show yet. Listen, I'm cool. But not the kind of cool that Taylor Mac is likely to give a $10,000 grant to. That grant is definitely going to the latest indie cabaret star most like Taylor Mac. It just is. And I mean no disrespect to Taylor Mac. If I were in charge of selecting art, I would be more likely to fund the work most like Emily Rainbow Davis, no matter how hard I tried not to. So the resources are swirling around the places there were resources before, of course, and that makes sense. We can't fix the whole field while the whole field is benched, can we? Can we? I doubt it. I'd like it if we could, but I doubt it. So, how can you really support artists at this moment? You could donate to an emergency fund. There are a few that really do deliver such things. I am a fan of the Indie Theater Fund and personally know an artist who received funds from them quickly. But the best possible way to support an artist is to pay them to do what they do. If they have a book for sale, buy a few. 
Get one for you and a couple for your friends. If they have music for sale, buy a few albums. If they have a Patreon, sign up to be a part of it. If they make visual art, buy some. If they're a performing artist and you can hire them for some video work or voice work, do that. Or you can always follow the advice of Raja Feather Kelly and just ask them what they need. And listen, if you don't like the artist's work, but you like them, maybe buy their work anyway. Buy it and give it to someone who you know will appreciate it. Hell, I'll take it. I want everyone's art. Everyone seems to always be making decisions about whether art is good or bad, and they're very sketchy about paying for art unless it pleases them precisely. Generally, people won't donate to fundraising campaigns unless they're really sold on the project. I think they feel like their dollars are the arbiters of taste. Just donate. You don't have to think your friend's project is the best thing in the world. We don't have any national funding for individual artists. Sometimes fundraising campaigns are our only hope. You don't have to like everything to support one. I feel like sometimes people treat art like it's furniture and they won't buy anything unless it absolutely fits with the rest of the house. They won't buy the book or the album or fund the project if it isn't exactly to their taste. And yet the same person will worry that an artist won't be able to afford to buy groceries this month and donate to some arts organization that will use it to keep the lights on at their institution. If you want to really and truly support an artist, pay one for something they do. It's that simple. For me, there are a multitude of ways to do that. that that's the net I've been knitting. Patreon is the front line. There, my patrons pay me for these blogs and the audio version of the blogs that is the podcast. That's what I'm recording for you right now. And at the moment, I'm fundraising for the audio drama podcast I'm making. This is my big work right now, and it is what is allowing me to pay a bunch of other artists to do what they do best at a time when there is not a lot of work on offer. Will it buy me groceries? Not until I've paid everyone else, but yes, eventually, if I can get the whole thing made, it could also buy me groceries. Not yet, though. If you're worried about me eating, hit me up on Patreon, PayPal, or Ko-fi. But I'm fine. I have a net with Patreon. But not everyone has been knitting all this time. That's why it's not a terrible time to be this struggling artist, TM. Because I've been around this work drying up block a few times, and I know how to show new folks around the neighborhood. I also know how to help them. And now you do too. Buy their art. So yeah, apparently I published this back on May 15th. So not that that long ago. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what's changed aside from the fact that theater is for sure screwed. <laughs> like it was screwed on a temporary basis, but we just found out today that Broadway is not going to open until January. Uh, which is the smart move, um, and if it even opens in January, I will be surprised. But that essentially means that, you know, if Broadway's not open, then nobody else is open. <laughs> like, yeah, there is no theater for now, um, which is horrifying. 
Uh, but necessary. So this is what we're doing. Um, the, uh, it's like this is why I, I'm so glad to have already fallen in a way because I already have the podcast in place. I already have the blog in place. Like I've already I've got like so many structures that like keep me artistically engaged and awake and ready to fly. And I think it must be so hard for those who have never had to like deal with this before. Um, you know, it's not easy for me either, but uh, I'm, I, 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 it makes me very grateful for all of these structures that I have already built. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm still fundraising for the, the dragoning, um, and it is stalled out at the moment, uh, which is discouraging, but I did just get a donation from someone I never even heard of before. So, um, that is, that's comforting when a, when a stranger sends you, uh, support, that's pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, so, um, I've already mentioned all the things you can do in the blog post, which, you know, yay, those links are in the show notes, so I don't have to tell you about them. Um, the song today, I was, I, so I was thinking, oh, tightrope is good. Like I'm talking about being on a tightrope. That's the image I used for the blog. Um, and you know, my most favorite tightrope song is uh, Janelle Monae's Tightrope, which I love and have always loved and would lo- will love forever. But there's no way I'm going to cover that. <laughs> Just like you, you can't. I can't. I can't do it. It's too. I mean, I looked at it just you know to be sure, and I was like, oh no, no, no. Uh, yeah. And then I like it's actually a fairly common metaphor for songs. Um, There was a Stevie Ray Vaughan song I was kind of contemplating for a little while, but I I am not a blues guitarist, unfortunately. I would like to be. Maybe maybe I'll work on that. Um, But I yeah I couldn't get that organized. And then I was listening to like a playlist and. this go West song that I loved in my youth so much came on and I was like, this is not like right on the nose for this issue, but there is something about it that, that feels, um, like the story of an artist to a degree. Uh, if the song is called, we close our eyes and it's a little bit, uh, I don't know what the song is actually about, but there's a way where you could read it as, um, you know, artists like using our imaginations to just get through things. So, uh, closing our eyes, using our imagination, off we go. Um, yeah. So I'm going to play that for you. And, uh, (laughs) similar to tightrope, actually, the, one of the things I love the most about this song is not something I can actually do because partly it's the, like the groove of it. Um, it is a, it's got a groove, this song. Um, and like, there's just no way I could, uh, meet that groove, um, in, in my little acoustic world. Uh, but I feel like, you know, I found, I found a way to do it and hopefully 
not kill what I love most about the song. <laughs> so uh, here you go. Here is uh, We Close Our Eyes by Go West. Game. Okay. 